0: I want to pray before we get going. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So, Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we walk according to the flesh, but we do not war in the flesh. And Lord, I just pray that you would release to us the weapons of our warfare, that we would step into the weapons you have given us through the power of the cross, through the blood of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would prepare us for warfare, that you would prepare us for what is going to come. But, God, I thank you that you have not left us ill-equipped. You have not left us to fight on our own and for our own. But, God, you have empowered us by the Holy Spirit. God, you've given us weapons to fight and to wage war. God, I pray over our minds tonight. We just submit to you, Father. We yield to you, and we resist the devil. Father, I yield to you. And I resist the devil. Amen. I do feel a sense of of warfare when it comes to stuff like this. Just because you're digging in people's stuff. So, some of you may be a little nervous. That's okay. But I feel like there is a sense of warfare over these things. But anyways, if you want to open up your your booklet to page 4, how many of you are excited to talk about emotions? Okay, okay. I heard all ladies just then. Guys, are you excited to talk about emotions? All right. Uh, who, you know, the whole thing. There's thinkers and there's feelers. Who, the, who the thinkers? I feel like I'm a thinker. Who are the feelers? There's definitely more feelers right now, so feelers need to be like thinkers a little bit more, and thinkers need to be like feelers a little bit more. Okay, so page four, just tonight we're going to go through the introduction. we're going to lay some framework for where we're going in the next eight weeks and um, Yeah, we're going to go for it. Um, I'm going to kind of explain to you how these next eight weeks will go as well throughout uh, the, this introduction chapter here. So this material you're holding as an eldership team, you don't have one, baby. You don't support me? Like, what? Y'all, I need some emotional discipleship right now. I just feel so hurt. <laughs> it's out there. I don't know. Yeah, rejection. Where's that box at? Just filling it right now. Dang. But as an eldership team, um, there's some strategy to this, okay? You're not holding this just because we had to hurry up real quick and, and put something together and just put it in your hands. This was for the past couple of months, several months, we've been praying, seeking the Lord on the direction we're going in. And so we felt strongly, as everyone is aware, we're going in the direction of covenant community. And because we're going in that direction, that means we have to deal with our stuff. Okay? We gotta deal with our stuff. And so we're gonna go in that direction. We want this body to be healthy. The quote I read, it's in here, we'll see a little bit later on, but it's just, it doesn't make sense to say you're spiritually mature, and you're being perfected in Christ, and you're just ready to do all these things for the Lord. And then on the other hand, behind the scenes, you're an emotional wreck, your life is crazy, you're angry all the time, nobody likes to be around you. It just, to me, that doesn't make sense. I wasn't raised in the church, so I didn't like see, like, the, you know, the, you know, the uh, being hypocritical and religious. I didn't really see that. Once I got saved, it was like either you're all in or you're all out, and either you're getting transformed or you're not. And so this is what we're going to go after. <clears throat> I will put this out there to you. So the stuff we're going to be going after, I am not like trying to be mean or harsh or hard towards you, but I will poke and I will prod. Justin Thomas, he, he, he's, in, uh, he's in the medical field. He's in wound care specifically. And he, he told me this story a while ago, and it's the perfect picture. He met this guy. This was like probably, he said, about four or five years ago. And this guy had a wound in his lower back. I mean, it's like an open wound, the size of a fist. He said a baseball. It had been there for 15 years. And this was one of the bigger wounds he had seen. And you could see the bone, and it's like, how is this guy even surviving? He didn't He didn't know how. But he saw it, and he's just stunned, like, this this has been here for how long, and you haven't taken care of it? And and so they heard the whole story, and they said, okay, well, in order to heal this thing, it's going to take about two years. And for the next two years, a couple times a week, we're going to have to pick at it, and we're going to have to re-injure it. And the reason we have to re-injure it is because your body is no longer responding to it. Your body doesn't know it's there because you've ignored it for so long. He didn't even feel pain anymore. And so the remedy for it was to go in there, pick at it, re-wound it to wake up the body, to wake up the the healing organisms in the body to start the healing process over again. You see what I'm saying? So we have dysfunction in our lives for so long We don't even know it's dysfunction until someone calls us out, and they poke you, and they rub you, and you get mad at them, but really the issue is you. And you didn't know it until someone got in your business, until we started Covenant Community. (laughs) Now you're like, oh gosh, I don't want Covenant Community. So as we're going through this material, you're going to get poked, you're going to get rubbed. Just know that I I love you. It's not that I hate you and I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be mean or whatever. But some of us, we don't realize how damaged we are. You really don't. You don't know how damaged you are until you get around someone who's healthy, who's functional, until you get around a marriage that is functional. Man, that husband really seems to love his wife. Interesting. I haven't experienced that in a while. I mean, maybe some of you have experienced that at a married group where you, you watch other marriages and like, man, they're holding hands. Like, we haven't held hands in a while. Huh. It's real, though. So just know you're going to get poked. All right. I love you guys. I care about you. I really do. In that first paragraph, halfway down, it says the goal of this teaching is to help restore your heart to the place of emotional health and wholeness in Christ. Jesus wants to take all of your emotional temperaments and dysfunctions and disciple them by his word into the heart of God the Father. This journey is not about seeking some emotional experience with your past, but it's about drawing near to God and his word with all of your heart so that he can heal and restore you by his caring hand. So we're on page four. I just read half half of the first paragraph there. So a couple years ago, several years ago now, actually, um, my wife and I went through uh, a heal, inner healing 12-week course uh, two times. Um, prior to going through that, I remember early on in my walk with Jesus, I had this struggle with the fear of man. And so what I would do is I would sit down with God's word and say, Lord, I just struggle with the fear of man. What's your word say about fear? And I would just memorize the scripture, meditate on it, and try to apply it to my heart. Fast forward several years, I go through this inner healing thing, and I realized I was already practicing inner healing years ago just by taking God's word and applying it to my heart. But what I had there with me was I had a gentleman. His name is Tara Rowland. He's quoted in some of this material. But I had somebody who actually called me out and said, hey, you're dysfunctional in this area. That's not okay. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. This is what the word says. And I take the word and I apply it to my heart. And so this process is not about trying to dig up every little thing that has happened to you in the X amount of years of your life. And, you know, I was in my mother's womb and she didn't want me. And like you you just go through all these little pictures. And it's not really about that. The Lord may show you some things that reveal why why you are the way you are. And that's okay. Definitely, you know, if he's speaking to you about that, receive that. But it's extremely important to go back to the Word of God and what does the Word say about you? And what does the Word say about God? So if you look at that verse, Proverbs 4, we know the verse about guarding your heart with all diligence, for it's the wellspring of life. But let's look at the context of it. A couple of verses before that. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence from out of it spring through issues of life. So how do you keep your heart with all diligence? With this. This is how you keep your heart with all diligence. If you think God is not into emotions and he just, you know, he don't have any, he just gave them all to you. He has emotions and he has the word. Okay, so once again, this is not about some emotional, like go back to childhood thing. Although that may happen and that's fine. That's not what we're focusing on. We're focusing on God's word. His word brings healing. His word brings life. Let's look at this next quote. I love quotes, so we're going to read quotes together. Some of these quotes have, have changed me. Dan Allender, he said this, Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that give the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear through emotional denial, distortion, or disengagement. We strain out anything disturbing in order to gain tenuous or a slight control of our inner world. We are frightened and ashamed of what leaks into our consciousness. In neglecting our intense emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. Denial, distortion, disengagement, ignoring, neglecting. That's what we tend to do most of the time. As we deny our emotions, we just, you know, brother, crucify it to the cross or, you know, some, we use spiritual language just to kind of, you know, put a bandaid on it. But really emotions are an indicator of what's going on behind the scenes. And we're going to get deeper into that stuff in the coming chapters, but think about it. Your emotions are alerting you. Something is going on behind the scenes. Something's not okay. You struggle with anger, rejection, shame, condemnation, guilt, whatever. Something's not okay behind the scenes. But what do we tend to do? We ignore, we neglect, we distort, we disengage, we act like it's not really there. Sometimes we do that. There's, there's plenty of reasons we do that. We're not going to get into it, but I want to uh, encourage us tonight to, moving forward, start trying to find language for what, what's going on behind the scenes. You're gonna That piece of paper I gave you, the, the DMI, the Daily Moral Inventory, this is good. Every day what you can do on the left side is you can just mark. Okay, day one. I felt self-pity. And on the right side, it's just showing the opposite of it, but you're going to focus on the left side and some of the feelings that you feel on a daily basis. Day two, I felt self-pity again. Day three, self-pity. Day four, self-pity. That's my issue. And just, this is something you can fill out right before you go to bed. This will be extremely helpful for you in, in identifying what's going on behind the scenes. One of the things that, and just being honest with you guys, one, one of the things I probably struggle with the most is performance. With being in sports background, when it's game time, I'm like, let's go, just let's get ready to perform, let's put on the show. So those are some of the feelings or the pressures that I feel. So that's not on the list, but just insert. I'll write it at the bottom and, and check it. Man, I felt like I was just performing all day. Just I feel the pressure. i got to be perfect and 100 all the time and whatnot. So the double-edged sword. I mentioned this uh, co- on this past Sunday, and I've said it already, but as we're going after covenant community, people are going to rub us wrong. People are going to offend us. But here's the thing. This is the beauty of God's plan the very same place where you might get hurt and offended is the very same place you're going to get healed and restored. And, and this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where you get healed or you're just going to get lost. You're like, yes, I'm here for this. I'm committed or see you later. I'll go to a different church. I'm not ready for this. And all we do is we take our dysfunction to the next church. And then they offend us and, oh, I don't like this church here. Let's go over here. It was never created to be that way. We're supposed to be joined and fitted together. Let's look at what Jack Frost had to say here. I love these quotes. These things have changed me. They've convicted me. They've brought revelation to me. He says, this is the bottom of page four, often within the church, it is difficult to tell whether a person walks in the heart attitude of an orphan or a son. Outwardly, a person may have a pattern of service, sacrifice, discipline, apparent loyalty, but you do not know what is inside of a person until he or she gets bumped. Then the attitude of the heart overflows at a time when they feel they are not getting recognized or the favor they deserve. Look at page 5. Look at Peter. Brother Peter, his quote Many are supposedly spiritually mature, but remain infants, children, or teenagers emotionally. They demonstrate little ability to process anger, sadness, or hurt. They whine, complain, distance themselves, blame, and use sarcasm, like little children when they don't get their way. Highly defensive to criticism or differences of opinion, they expect to be taken care of and often treat people as objects to meet their needs." Help us, Lord. So as we're going through this process, in eight weeks we'll complete it. It doesn't mean walking through pain and hurt and dysfunction is easy. It doesn't mean like, oh, you'll never offend me anymore. I'm just I'm invincible. It doesn't mean that. Walking through this, it means that whenever you offend me, I'm able to process it. I'm able to partner with the Holy Spirit. He's able to still produce his fruit in my heart, love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things. I still love you. I still bless you. I'm, not ang- I'm really not angry. I'm not even upset. I'm not going to count this behind the scenes. Er, there's one check. Love keeps no record of wrong, or maybe it does. I don't have to do that anymore. I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit. I'm obeying God's word. It takes time. It may take a couple of weeks, but this is going to help you to be able to process some of those things. Okay, this next one, determining your, le- your level of emotional maturity. This is part of your homework. I want to, I want to read through these together. This is, this is revealing. This is exposing. So, and I know... We're all going to say, I'm not an emotional infant. I'm mature. I know we all say we are mature in the Lord. Okay, well, I'll give us all a free pass tonight. But let me just let you know, that's not true. Okay, you may think that, but what's a good indicator is maybe say, hey, honey, hey, friend, can you be honest with me? When you read these four, which one do I fall into? And let someone honestly tell you where you're at. Let them, and don't get angry, don't get upset, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're the devil, and you shouldn't ever ask them. (laughs) Don't do that. But say, hey, you know me. You know my life. Can you read this? And just, I want to grow in Jesus. I want to walk worthy of the Lord. I want to walk in a way that's pleasing to him. So, an emotional infant. I look for other people to take care of me emotionally and spiritually. I often have difficulty in describing, and experiencing my feelings in healthy ways and rarely enter the emotional world of others. I am consistently driven by a need for instant gratification, often using others as objects to meet my needs. People sometimes perceive me as inconsiderate and insensitive. I am uncomfortable with silence or being alone. When trials, hardships, or difficulties come, I want to quit God and the Christian life. I sometimes experience God at church And when I am with other Christians, but rarely when I am at work or home. If you don't know if you fall into that category, most people who fall into that category spend very little time with God at home. The only time they spend with God is either at church or maybe at some social event. So if you look at your life, and I'm talking, when I say spend time with Jesus... I'm probably just more old school. We're like, okay, let's just turn everything off. Let's put the phone aside. Let's sit down, get your word, get the journal, and let's spend time with Jesus. I'm all for, you know, spend time with the Lord while you're driving. You're out and about. That's great. But that can't be the basis of your time with the Lord. If I only talk to my wife when we're in the car, that's the only time I pray. I'm I'm in the car. So, babe, I'll just talk to you when I'm in the car with you. That's it. Other than that, I don't really talk to her. Do you, is that okay with the Lord? If that's the only time we talk with him is in the car? It wouldn't work with our spouse or our friends, but we do that to the Lord. So I'm talking about time with Jesus. I feel like if we could just do that, it'll, it'll cure all kinds of problems. If we just had real time with the Lord, because here's the thing, he would actually tell you, some truth, he would actually bring healing to you. He wants to do that, he really does. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. He's saying, Come, but it's like, Oh, there they go again. Oh. Where are they? Okay, emotional child. When life is going my way, I'm content. However, as soon as disappointment or stress enters the picture, I quickly unravel inside. I often take things personally, interpreting disagreements or criticism as personal offense. When I don't get my way, I often complain, throw an emotional emotional t- tantrum, withdraw, manipulate, drag my feet, become sarcastic, or take revenge. I often end up living off the spirituality of other people because I'm so overloaded and distracted. Uh Uh-oh, revival culture. My prayer life is primarily talking to God, telling him what to do, and how to fix my problems. Prayer is a duty, not a delight. Someone like this, emotional child, you spend more time with people than the Lord. You spend more time with spiritual fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters in Christ, which is great. That's, that's not bad. But you spend more time with them than you do with the Lord. So what's scary about that is there's deception, I'm okay with God because my Christian brothers and sisters who know God are okay with me. But I don't ever know I don't know him. I'll go out and prophesy with these people. I will just like cast out demons. I'll do all these Matthew seven things for the Lord. And then we go into secret place, and he's like, I don't know you. You don't even know my, the Father's will. Emotional adolescent. I don't like it when others question me. I often make quick judgments and interpretations of people's behavior. I withhold forgiveness to those who sin against me, avoiding or cutting them off when they do something to hurt me. I subconsciously keep records on the love I give out. I have trouble, I have trouble really listening to another person's pain, disappointments, or needs without becoming preoccupied with myself. I sometimes find myself too busy to spend adequate time nourishing my spiritual life. I attend church and serve others, but enjoy few delights in Christ. My Christian life is still primarily about doing, not being with him. Prayer continues to be mostly me talking with little silence, solitude, or listening to God. So the adolescent, they spend, they spend more time with the Lord throughout the week, but that includes church and services. Emotional adult. I respect and love others without having to change them or becoming judgmental. I value people for who they are, not for what they can give me or how they behave. I take responsibility for my own thoughts, feelings, goals, and actions. I can state my own beliefs and values to those who disagree with me without becoming adversarial. I can accurately self-assess my limits, strengths, and weaknesses. I am deeply convinced that I am absolutely loved by Christ. And as a result, do not look to others to tell me I'm okay. I can integrate doing for God and being with Him. That's huge. My Christian life has moved beyond simply serving Christ to loving him and enjoying communion with him. So this is where we want to go. We want emotional adults. This is our prayer as a a leadership team. We want maturity. This is our prayer for our own lives that we would be emotional adults. There's times where someone says something to us, to me, I'm not invincible. Stuff you say can hurt me, can damage me but I'm committing my life to the Lord that I want to be a mature adult in Christ. <clears throat> okay. Those two next uh, sections here we're going to skip those. We'll come back to those later. Part two, the cross. So how many of you have been through an inner healing, emotional healing program before? Okay. And so this is the first time we are going through something like this as a church. And there's a lot of goofy stuff out there when it comes to inner healing. Uh, it's just, we all know, it is just kind of crazy. But here's what really has stirred me, and Barry and Dave, we've talked about this, is when you look in the Word, when you look in New Testament Christianity, what does the Word say about inner healing? And how come the Word in the New Testament doesn't talk about doesn't even have the phrase inner healing or emotional healing. I mean, if this is so important, if this is so huge in our culture and we need emotional healing and inner healing, how come in the word of God, it doesn't say, hey, when you are struggling with something, just go to your brother and have them do inner healing on you. Or when Paul would go into a city like, man, okay, you just slept with your father's wife. Highly dysfunctional. Go see the inner healing team. Why didn't he do that? Or think about Peter. He denies the Lord three times. Yeah. Ultimate shame, condemnation, and guilt. Later on, Paul rebukes him in Galatians. He's being hypocritical. I mean, he just gets rejected and rejected and just, well, okay, where is it? Peter, where's the inner healing team? How come you didn't talk about inner healing? Like, we, dude, you wrote two books, like, talk about it. Look in Acts 15, Mark. Paul pretty much says like, yeah, I don't want to do ministry with you. We're going this way. We'll see you later. And here's this apostle. I'm sure Mark's looking up to him like, man, you're, the, you're legit. And then you get straight rejected. Paul doesn't want to travel and do ministry with him. Interhealing team, where are you? Help me. Or, you know, I've been, you know, a church we've been at where they'll just say, you're dysfunctional, go see the inner healing squad. They're going to inner heal you. Are you tracking with me here? Why doesn't the New Testament put this out there if it's so important? Well, here's the thing. It, It actually does. And it's actually called the cross. It's old school. It's not pretty. It's not maybe a whole lot of fun, but... If you look at the cross, you'll realize, oh, maybe there is freedom at the cross. I mean, like Paul would go into a city, plant a church, and then leave them. And they got to, well, if you guys start having dysfunctions, go see inner healing people. No, that's why he preached the cross. But that's probably why, too, we have so much dysfunction is because there's not really preaching of the cross. There's no more deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. It's more just like, hey, man, you're great, man. Like, you're awesome. That's all we tell people. Man, you're just great, man. You're awesome. God's best life for you is, is right around the corner. And, like, that's, that's encouraging, but once again, behind the scenes, it is a hot mess. <laughs> it is a hot mess behind the scenes. But don't worry, your best life is just right around the corner. It's just, it's just come on, just one more season and you'll be there. So let's look at this first quote here by Don Lynch. He says, the power of the cross is the power to be everything you were created to be and do everything you have been called to do. The power of the cross is spiritual power and only comes to you when you make a surrender decision. Everyone say surrender. Surrender. So are you willing to surrender what has happened to you and what people have done to you? Okay, I feel like we didn't like that. Let's try, I was looking over there. Let's look over here. Are you willing to surrender what has happened to you and what people have done to you? Yes. Hey, okay, 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 okay. Are you ready and willing to surrender what has happened to you and what people have done to you? Yes. Okay, we're good. But when you make a surrender decision to abandon yourself to its power— if you trust any other source or rely upon any other power, you remain in bondage in that area of your life because no other source has power to set you free. This is so good. Whenever you fully trust any area of your life to the cross, you release spiritual power greater than what hell has done to you, what you have done to yourself, and what others have done to you. Oh, it's, it's, it, it, it's really easy. It's really easy. Right there, it's really that simple. But what makes it challenging is that I know it's, you know, we're laughing or joking now. We say we're going to surrender, but it goes back to that every single time. We are not willing to surrender to the Lord. The guy who came here today, he was the pest control guy, Anthony. He's been coming for months, and he's like, brother, I gave my life to the Lord a a month ago. I'm like, tell me what happened. He's like, I finally surrendered. Oh, what a grand idea. He's like, I've been going to church or whatever, but then really, like, I finally, like, surrendered. And you can look, like, this guy's, like, sharing the word with me and all this stuff, and I'm like, praise the Lord. (laughs) Look at this next quote. This This is awesome. So if you think the cross and emotions don't go together, here it is. The cross includes deliverance from emotional slavery. Like, we just think the cross delivers us from alcohol, drugs, you know, pornography, you know, cursing, bad stuff, but it doesn't do anything with your emotions, right? Like you just have to like get over it and, you know, keep fighting. No, the cross brings deliverance from emotional slavery. Next quote, the gospel is meant to go as far as the curse is found. I love that the gospel is meant to go as far as the curse is found. So, if you were to go back in the first century with what you know about all this inner healing stuff and say, hey, Paul, okay, hey, apostles, let's talk about inner healing. Can you, can you show me scriptures? Let's talk about it. Inner healing, show me. They'll say, okay, great. Let's go to the next page, page eight. Here's what they would say Ephesians 4, verse 22. This is is the language that you find in New Testament scripture about this whole emotional inner healing process that you put off. What do you put off? Your former conduct. So before you got saved, you were highly dysfunctional, you were angry, you were doing all this negative stuff. Well, now that you're saved, the power of the cross actually releases power to overcome that stuff. Next verse, Ephesians 4, 25. Put away lying. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, loud quarreling, evil speaking, be put away. Therefore, put to death. What? Sexual morality, evil passion, covetousness. Number five. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified. The next one, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. But if by the Spirit you put to death, what? The deeds of the body. The next one, therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. 1 Corinthians 6, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 2 Corinthians 7, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Hebrews, our bodies were washed with pure water. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Brother Peter, therefore laying aside... That's what the disciples would tell us to do about all our dysfunction. They would say they would preach the message of the gospel They'll say, "Here's the cross, the power of forgiveness and transformation." Okay, brother, it's touched you, right? You, you're a Christian, right? You've surrendered to this, right? Okay, put it off, lay it aside, crucify it. Okay, it didn't work. Okay, well, here's the gospel message. Here's the cross. Here's the power. You surrendered, right? Okay, put it off. Lay it aside. And then on the other side, okay, now you can do what? The next section there. You put on Christ. You get filled. You get renewed. Colossians, put on the new man. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. But above all these things, put on love. Galatians, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Romans, put on the Lord. Ephesians, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 4, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on, what? The new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Romans 12, renew your mind. Titus, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 3, I love this, that you may comprehend with all the saints what is the width, and the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I think if we just get a revelation of this right here, if we just meditate and just think about this and, like, Lord, I've been struggling with this for years. Let me just look at the cross. Let me just hang out with the cross right now. Let me surrender to the cross. Something has to happen. Something has to happen. But honestly, we don't hang out with the cross anymore. We don't linger around the finished work of Christ. We're too busy. We're just, we're avoiders. We diminish. We neglect. We ignore. We, we all do that. So this is extremely important here. So when you, so when you come back in a you know, year or whatever and talk about inner healing at heart of the Father, what we're going to do is we're going to point you right back to the cross. We're not going to say, okay, well, tell me about like, you know, every little thing that's ever happened to you in your life ever. right? Tell me what everyone has done to you and just and we'll just sit in that for a little bit. No, no. Let's go back to the cross. Let's, let's start there. Okay. Do you know? Read Romans 6. Paul says it in there a couple of times. Did you not know? <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> here so what is the connection between, your emotions and the cross what is the connection between your emotions and the cross here's where here's what happens <clears throat> when you look at your emotions there is something fueling your negative emotions in your life there is something behind the negative emotions in your life majority of the time it is a lie Okay, there's something behind your negative emotions and majority of the time it's a lie. Either you thought it up or the devil told you or a friend told you, whatever. It's a lie. What's behind the cross is the truth. You look at the cross, what's behind the cross is the truth of God's word, the truth of who he is and the truth of who you are. So when those two things meet in the middle, which one is more powerful? The truth every single time. So really what this inner healing is, all we're going to be doing in here is we're going to expose all the lies you believe. And then we're going to insert the truth. I struggle with rejection. I've always been rejected. I feel it all the time. No one likes me. No one loves me. I'm unacceptable. Okay, good. What's over here is the cross. You have been accepted in the beloved. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on you. You come back next week. Man, man, like, dude, I, I just, I, I still feel rejected. I'm distracted. People calling me. What the heck? <laughs> I, I still feel rejected. I just can't get over it. Okay, well, did you spend time with Jesus this week? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I still feel rejected. Okay, well, let's go back over here. Okay, so what's the word say again? You are accepted. You have been washed. You have been cleansed. The love of the Father is towards you. There's peace between you and God. He's not rejecting you anymore. He's not hostile towards you anymore. And then we come back over here. Man, it's, it's been like six months. And like, man, I'm just still, ah, brother, help me. And we're just going to keep going back to the cross. I remember Jeremiah would say this. Whenever you believe the lies, you empower the liar. So really, all, all what we're getting at here is we're getting at what do you really believe about God? What do you really, like, okay, you raise your hands, hallelujah, I love you, Jesus, in the service, and you look all excited and whatnot, but tell me, what do you really believe about him? What do you really think about God? Because that right there is going to tell me everything about you. And then tell me this. What do you really believe about the word of God? Like, do you, do you read it? Do you want to read it? Do you like it? Like, the word. If you just take the word and apply it to your heart, this wouldn't be eight weeks long. It'd be four weeks long. We can cut it in half. So there is a lie. I want you to start thinking this way, okay? Tomorrow. Any negative emotion you feel, there is a lie behind it. I wake up and I just feel shame. Oh, well, let me think about that. I, I don't believe Christ has took away my shame. I don't think he's really forgiven me. There is a lie behind every, emotion, every negative emotion that you have. And then, remember, behind the cross is the truth, and the truth is not just revealed to you, it's actually released to you. So, let's look at this this last paragraph here on the same section. I want to read this. Through the cross, you can now, this is the second um, sentence starting there. Through the cross, you can now begin to put off and lay aside the things that hinder and affect your emotions and heart attitudes. Through the cross, the very things that cause you pain lose their grip in your life as the work of the Spirit empowers you to forgive so that you can be healed. Through the cross, you no longer remain victims of your past experiences and emotions because you now possess God's truth. It is at the cross where you find the amazing love of the Father that changes everything, As you walk toward emotional health and wholeness, you will find that the cross and the love of God changes your perspective, your experience, and most of all, your heart. So, after this week, we won't do like an altar call any any ministry tonight necessarily. But moving forward, so next week we're talking about anger, offense, and unforgiveness. So, I'll teach the lesson And then, those of you who feel like you want help in prayer, we're gonna call you forward and say, hey, those who are struggling with anger, come over here. Those with offense, come over here. Those with unforgiveness, over there. And our core team, the deacon couples here at the church, we're gonna ask them to come forward and pray with you. Okay? And we told them all they're going to do is simply so if you came over here to the anger section, They're going to ask you, so tell me what you are angry about. Okay, well, how did that make you feel when your dad left your mom? Okay, it made you feel rejected. Well, do you know you're not rejected anymore? Do you really believe that? And they're going to pray with you. And if they need to cast a spirit of rejection off of you or whatever, they'll do that. But that's simply what they're doing. They're helping you to... Uh, to see the lies exposed because sometimes we're so caught in the swirl of our own life that we can't even see like what's going on and it's like I don't know what I believe I don't know what's going on but someone else can bring perspective and say oh it's very simple like you just you're believing that this lie right here and they tell you that you're like well dang you're right that's what it is I'm believing that lie let's not believe it anymore So that's the prayer part, but then here's the fun part. Here's the discipleship part where you actually have to walk it out. And can I tell you, you may get some instant breakthrough, but for most of it, it's going to take weeks and months. I'm just going to tell you that now because I don't want you to be discouraged and say, well, man, like Barry and Diane prayed for me and like, man, it's been two weeks and I'm still like struggling. Well, yeah, because the discipleship part. (laughs) This is where every day you get to read about why you feel rejected and what the word says about rejection, and you get to apply it to your heart. This is where the Holy Spirit just comes into the room and gets your cup of coffee, you know, get it all nice and set up, nice and sweet, and he just comes and just starts speaking to you and ministering to you. I mean, because we'll do our best to, like, minister to you, but there's no one better than the Holy Spirit. If you sit down with him, oh, goodness. I mean, he will just lead you right to the cross, right to Jesus, right to the Father. And it'll be a lot better him doing that than me trying to figure out what's going on in your life. He's, He's really good at it. He's really good. He's been doing it for a long time. Okay, so then next part here, those who are stuck. So you've been struggling, you just can't seem to get over this thing. You've been the cross, you've been in the word, then that means there's most likely demonic oppression. There's an open door that maybe you don't realize or there's an open door that you keep opening and closing. Okay, So that means something needs to be cast out of you. Or there's a stronghold. There's something that you have believed for so long that it's going to take some time to loosen it out of you. And there probably will be a a demon that needs to be cast out. I want to say this, and I I hope you guys, like, we can all agree that if someone needs deliverance, guys, it's okay. Can we not be all like, like not everyone watch and look. Can we not do that? We all do that. And for me like honestly I feel bad for the person when that happens and everyone's looking. Yeah. Cuz like if would you want everybody to look at you? <laughs> no. So just mind your business, just 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 look down and pray for the Lord, just get him Lord. But that's all right if if the if, if you need deliverance, let's just get free. Let's just go ahead and get it out the way. Just get it out the way. Okay, go back a couple pages. Go back to page six. All right, we're gonna finish up with this. So things to be aware of and avoid. Guys, this is huge. Oh, this is where like our the humanity, this is this is us at our core, and we need to to not do these things. We're going to talk about all these things. Anger, shame, like all this stuff. We're going to talk about it. It does not help when you blame others. Okay? you Acknowledge what has happened to you. Acknowledge what they did to you. But blaming them the whole time is just not going to work. It's not going to help. There comes a point in time where there's this thing called personal responsibility. Like, they did that to me because maybe I allowed it. So like, I'm responsible for allowing it, Lord. Number two, maintaining a victim mentality. Woe is me. Like, I just, everyone hates me. Like, whenever you say to me a phrase like, man, everyone hates me, I'm going to be like, hold on, everyone? Everyone. Everyone everyone for everyone so everyone in this room hates you right now is that what you're saying everyone we do that we exaggerate but here's the thing we exaggerate because we actually start believing that and we walk around with this victim mentality everyone's trying to get me and it's like no no you're not a victim I don't feel sorry for you like let's go back to the cross here we're not victims I mean we have the power of God resting in us and on us and yet we're like victims and just oh Okay, number three, shutting down and making people feel sorry for you. This is what I used to do, honestly. Allison and I, when we first got married, like I, I would just shut down. We start getting into stuff, I just shut down. Okay, don't do that because what you're doing is you're just stuffing. You're just avoiding, you're neglecting. What did it say on that, that one quote? You are ignoring, you're in denial, there's distortion, there's disengagement, you are neglecting. Don't do that. Okay? Once again, your emotions are indicators. It's okay. Let it come out. Number four, wearing your emotions all the time. Don't do that either. Okay? Don't wear your emotions all the time. Number five, continually navel-gazing and self-centeredness. Okay, so we already like to do that. But then you go through inner healing and all of a sudden, like, you go, the next eight weeks is the most depressing, the most, like, whatever, because all you're doing is looking at yourself, and yourself, and yourself, and yourself, and you're looking at the past 20-something years, and, like, every little thing, like, I mean, just every little thing you've been through, and it's, like, it's confusing, it's a lot, it's like, whoa. Can I just encourage you to look at the cross? Look at Jesus. to really help you. And... Do this as well. Allow the Holy Spirit to highlight what is wrong with you. Let him tell you. Don't tell yourself. I mean, I could find several things wrong with me. And the Lord would be like, no, Brandon, you're not. No, that's not wrong. I, I like that about, you. like, you're good in that area. Let's talk about this area over here. And you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that area. But let him reveal things to you. Don't make it up. Let him reveal it to you. Um, Number six, avoiding, ignoring, or stuffing things. Okay, you are here tonight because you are saying, I'm no longer avoiding, I'm no longer ignoring or stuffing. Number seven, okay, this is important too, being overly dependent on pastors and leaders. That's real, we're here to help, but we are not Jesus Christ if if you have like prayed with me and you're like man man Brandon's prayer didn't work for me or whatever, I'm like yeah you're right my prayer didn't work. Like, what the? I'm not Jesus Christ. So don't be overly dependent on us. But I will say this like do come to us. Some of you are probably on the other end. Well you'll just never you'll you'll just hide out the whole time. You'll hide until the Lord returns and you'll just be a hot mess when He comes. <laughs> I'm like Dave, he's like, I had help for you, Brandon, Dave, right there. But you just don't don't hide, okay? That's that's probably the tendency. We're all laughing because that's going to be our tendency this whole next eight weeks. We're all going to be hiding out. Like, don't let the pastors know what you're struggling with. They gonna think you are just whatever. No, guys, we're not going to think. We're not going to be judgmental. Can we all agree not to judge each other? Okay, if you agree with that, just raise your hand. Okay, so look, let's all look around. We're not going to be judgmental, hypocritical. There's actually a chapter on criticism and judgment, so we'll hit you up later. All right. Okay, this is not on there, but I I wrote this down. I want to say the next thing is this is what's going to happen in the next eight weeks is that you are going to become overly busy. I can't come to Wednesday night anymore. I can't even read the word anymore. I can't look at the book anymore. I'm just so busy. (sighs) So busy. Oh, my gosh. But I'm telling you, if I forgot what this quote was or whatever, but they talked about like leaders and and mature people, they they know how to make time. They create time. They find time because we all have 24 hours. And you're, not no, you're no more busy than what I am. But guess what? I'm going to find some time to deal with my stuff. So you're going to have to do that. Everybody's going to be calling you. The devil's probably going to call you too. I mean, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> Make time. Make time. If you come to me and say, man, I was too busy, just wasn't able to. Brother, I'm busy too. We're all busy. Okay, and then flip over, page 10. Or you know what? Oh, wait, wait, sorry, 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 sorry. Go back to page six. Go back. I knew I was forgetting something. You've gotten hints of this, but I need to say this. two primary keys to healing and restoration. Number one, focus on your relationship with God. Focus on your relationship with God. This quote by Tozer is really powerful. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most important fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. Were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God, that might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. The man who comes to a right belief about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with the Lord. And once again, I'm not talking about driving all the way to work. I'm talking about like sit down. You can put music on to get the word and like spend time with Jesus. Some of you may need to shut the music off because you just start singing a song about him and you're not even singing to him. Okay. Spend time with Jesus. I might even say if you keep coming to me and I'm going to say, hey, have you spent time with the Lord and you say no? Okay, we'll meet later. Because I'm not your Lord. An hour with me, we'll, we'll, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. An hour with the Lord, I'm telling you, it's going to be way better. I mean, seriously, g- grab the, the most famous popular Christian you know, like your idol Christian or whatever. Spend an hour with them. I'm sure it would be great. But do we believe that spending an hour with Jesus is really, really transformational? Most of the time, to be honest, no. We'd rather spend time with someone who's really popular and famous and just like, I don't know, they can change your life, but then like, we don't spend time with the Lord. Don't, don't do that. Spend time with Jesus. And number two, focus on obeying his word. Okay? Obedience is crucial. Obedience is everything. Okay? What we tend to do is that we what has happened to us and what people have done, we hold it way up here, and then, you know, unforgiveness way up here, and then Jesus talks about forgiveness, and it's like, <laughs> that's not really important. Like, whatever. it's way down here. No. Bring that way up here, obey his word, and bring all your stuff just down here. We tend to overly just hold stuff in our heart, and Jesus is saying, man, I wish you would hold on to my word the way you hold on to that stuff. So, focus on your relationship with him. Focus on obedience. You should read that quote under number two there on focusing on obeying his word. It's a really good quote. Okay, conclusion, page 10. Then I'll pray we will get up out of here. God the Father desires that you would live a life with a heart filled with the fruit of his love. As you embark on this journey of emotional discipleship, you will come out the other side more prepared to meet your Lord with vibrant, healthy emotions in a heart filled with love for God, his people, and the world around us. So now is the time to trust again. Now is the time to decide to root the emotions of your heart in the word of God and in the heart of God the Father. Robert McShane says this, Learn much of the Lord Jesus. For every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely, such infinite majesty and yet such meekness and grace and all for sinners, even the chief. Live much in the smiles of God. Bask in his beams. Feel his all-seeing eye settled on you in love and repose or rest in his almighty arms. Let your soul be filled with a heart ravishing sense of the sweetness and excellency of Christ and all that is in him. Let the Holy Spirit fill every chamber of your heart. And so there will be no room for folly or the world or Satan or the flesh. Bob Sorky says, when I can't make sense of my journey, I go back to the cross. When I can't make sense of my pain levels, I go back to the cross. When my wound seems incurable, I go back to the cross. When I can't see my way forward, I go back to the cross. So the next eight weeks, Jesus wants to reveal himself to you as the great and the good Shepherd. He wants to show you he is the God of Psalm 23. I would encourage you, if you haven't read Psalm 23, I would say for the next eight weeks, read Psalm 23. He restores our soul. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He even wants to make a table for you and for me. Surely, goodness and mercy. Jesus, here's the thing I, the revelation of Jesus as the shepherd is so powerful. Jer, the prophet Jeremiah even talks about, he says, there's a remnant, and in the midst of the remnant, the Lord's going to release shepherds. To them, In Revelation, it talks about God's throne, and it says that Jesus is going to shepherd his people in the midst of the throne. Yes. I don't even know what all that means. <laughs> but here's the thing. We need to know him as the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. All right, so Lord, we pray tonight. God, we ask for your help. Lord, we are needy. Lord, we are desperate, Lord. There are ways and things about our lives that are not pleasing to you, Lord. And God, you have been slow to anger. You have been merciful. You have been patient. God, you've been long-suffering toward us. And God, I thank you in the next eight weeks and and moving on, Lord, you are wanting to start a process, Lord. You are wanting to come and re-injure. You're wanting to come and wound us. Job said, though he slay me, I will trust him. God, you are going to come and you are going to slay us. You're going to hurt and offend us. But Lord, you do that because you actually care. You're the one that cares the most. You really care about us, Jesus. Thank you for taking time for us. Thank you for making a way for us. Thank you for always speaking to us and being there for us. And Father, I just pray for the revelation of Jesus as the good and great shepherd over our lives. Amen.